Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Reno Whites. My name is Connor McQuibby. I'm your host as always. Reno Whites is the weekly interview show where I talk to all sorts of folks from here in Northern Nevada who are doing interesting and important things here in the community. I'm going to start today's episode with a couple thank yous before anything else. So this show could not exist without people like Cyrus and Andrea and Remo and Marina and Adam and Derek and Alexis and Thomas and Rachel and Haley and so many others. Those are people who are supporting the show financially on Patreon. You may have noticed that I don't have ads or sponsors on this show. I don't really want to have ads or sponsors on the show. I'm kind of hoping to prove that it is possible to create financially sustainable local media in a city the size of Reno. Basically, that's it. We're a mid-sized city. There are giant, big national newspapers. There are local newspapers and TV stations that are owned by big national conglomerates. We have some great local media here in town that I think does manage to stay afloat financially. I'd like to join their ranks. I think that there's enough people in town who find value in this show and are willing to contribute a little bit for it to maybe, you know, pay for itself. If you'd like to learn more about how to do that, you can go to patreon.com, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash renoites, and sign up to support the show financially for as little as $3 a month. There's some perks for patrons. I try to post the episodes at least a few days early for patrons. Also, bonus segments. I'm including some bonus content from every episode this season. little extra segment with each of our guests, so you can get a little more behind the scenes, learn more about our guests on every episode, All of that's available for patrons at any level. I'm so grateful to all the people I listed and more for supporting the show so far. If you would like to join their ranks, please check out patreon.com slash renoites. Today on the show, we are talking about food. Reno's food scene has grown and changed tremendously, especially in recent years. I moved away from Reno in 2001, moved back in 2016, and it was a whole different city. And a huge part of that was that it had developed a food scene while I was gone Today on the show, I'm excited to welcome Chef Jonathan Chapin. You might know him from KOLO's morning show, Morning Break, with Katie Reshetko. He does a weekly cooking segment on the show. He also has his own live cooking show that he hosts on Facebook as a fundraiser for a lot of local nonprofits. He's done that for the last few years and raised a lot of money for several local nonprofits by throwing donation-based dinners, including a live cooking element and a sit-down meal for all of the people that attend. A really, really great experience. And he has a fascinating story. He's really been through a lot. Very inspiring to talk to him about the challenges that he's faced and overcome and what he's doing today. A lot of really exciting stuff and a really great conversation. So thank you so much to Chef Jonathan Chapin for coming on the show. And thank you for listening. This is a brand new season of the show. This is only the second episode of the season. If you would like to help Renoites be successful, one thing you can do is help spread the word. Tell your friends and family this is obviously a listener-supported, community-oriented kind of project, and your word of mouth means everything. So spread the word. Let people know about the show if they don't already. And of course, be sure to follow me on social media. I am on Facebook and Instagram. Instagram is probably the best place to get a hold of me. That's at Renoites on both of those platforms. Or shoot me an email, Connor, C-O-N-O-R, at Renoites.com. And now this week's guest, Jonathan Chapin. Chef Jonathan Chapin of Reno Recipes, welcome to Renoites. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, excited to have you on the I show. We finally did it. Yeah, I know. We've been ta- we've been talking about having you on the show for a very long time, and I have to apologize because I've I flaked. I think that we scheduled to have a call, and then 
I missed it or forgot about it or something. And that was months ago. So I heartfully apologize. <laughs> oh, oh, it, 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 when it was meant to be, it was going to happen. Yeah. It, it's, it's, I got to tell you, it's an honor to be on here because I admire and really look up to a lot of people that you've had on the show and your impact with Reno. And those are kind of people that I want to surround myself with, mm -hmm. you know, and be part of that brethren that it's helping Reno. So thank you for having me. Yeah, I appreciate yeah. that. Thank you for that. I've been really so happy with the guests, the type of guests, the number of guests that I've had on the show. When I started this thing, I, I tell this story a lot where I was like, who's going to want to come on my dinky little podcast? Like, it feels like awkward and nerdy to be like, hey, will you come on my show? But since then, I feel like I've gotten to talk to so many people who are you know, notable in the community who are doing interesting things, who are important to what's happening here. So it's been really kind of an honor to have people want to be on the show. And you're doing a ton of stuff too. Like you're a very active person in our community. So yeah, glad well, to have you. And and it, and I my hats off to you because we tried to do a podcast mm -hmm. and we recorded I think nine episodes, and we just dropped the project because it's it's a lot and you it is and you and you're hurting cats to get to get people on time and to places and, and the editing mm -hmm. and yeah I, yeah, I get it. So it's, it's definitely a lot, but I feel like it's been really rewarding. So yeah, I, I try to remember that when I'm in the middle of editing an episode and I'm like, Oh God, more editing. I'm like, Oh wait, no, this is, this is good stuff that I'm, I'm doing. So yeah. Well, I'm guessing uh, you like me because I have the two cooking shows, I get to find all these hidden gems in Reno. Right. Mm -hmm. And you're like, I didn't know so much was here. And there are, they're just little hidden pockets of goodness all over Reno. Mm -hmm. You just got to look for them. You know, I, I, it's funny to me when people are like, oh God, Reno. And I'm like, you're not hanging out with the right people or not doing, because there's so many cool things that are here. And like last night you were at one of my cooking shows and we brought a ton of community people together. We had people from the Virgil, from Liberty. We had one of your mom's old friends. Mm -hmm. We had people from sobriety. We had other chefs and, you know, restaurant people. And it was just this whole thing. And we all just kind of came together and, and broke bread, you know, yeah. that easiest first form of socializing, breaking bread, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. So for people who aren't familiar with you, you're on the news, so people might know you from the morning break show that you're doing with Katie Rochetko, but you're basically active in a lot of the food scene here in Reno. Can you just talk about what you do as a chef, kind of what's your your place in the world of Reno food right now? So we're a personal chef and catering company, as well as I'm the resident chef on Colaway. We just hit two years on that, and geez, I think we're at like 110 episodes now, so that's really well, and we're the most watch 10 minutes of morning television local every week, which is great. I've got a great relationship with Katie and we do really well on there together. And then I've got the Rena recipes cooking show as well. That's online on Facebook. And we cater to a lot of different people. We do a lot of political events, even though I'm not political. Mm -hmm. It's very funny because I recently was talking to a city council member about we're going to start some senior cooking demos and classes. Oh. She's like, you know, some people are really upset that you cook for this council person. And I'm like, I don't do that. Like, if it's going to help people and if the money's there and that they, then we're going to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, tomorrow we start, there's a film crew that's coming up from Burbank and they're doing seven shoots in Reno for this year for uh, 
major motion pictures. Oh, right on. We're doing the catering for that, as well as, you know, we do in-home stuff and cooking classes for kids. Like it's said, for seniors, we kind of just do the whole spectrum. Like when I decided to come back into cooking, I was like, this is the last stop on the career train for me. Like, this is it. So I need to make it work in a way that I'm giving back to the community. I'm having fun. We're mentoring young chefs and we're not stressed out and crazy, mm-hmm. you know, which is, which can happen with chefs. So yeah. we just kind of came in with a completely different approach and we have a lot of fun and we bring a lot of people into the circle that have, have that fun with us. Yeah. I would say the fun is a very clear part of your personality of how you work as a chef. You always seem like you're having a really good time. You mentioned young people and I know you worked with the, I think it's AACT, the DJ trivia charity thing yes. last year. Uh, and you were on the winning team, right? And won some yeah. money for some yeah, young we, chefs, right? Yeah, we won, I think, $5,000 to uh, send some kids to to nationals. I'm a member of the ACT. And then there's a new, very exciting thing that's happening in Reno. It's called the American Gourmet Club. They're established in Northern Central California. And now they're in Reno and moving to Southern Nevada as well. But I'm the executive director on the board of that. So you can count on a lot of uh, really great collaborations with artists and different food avenues that we're going to bring to the area. Oh, awesome. That's going to happen this year. I love that. So you mentioned that you came back into cooking and decided this was your last stop on cooking. What were you doing before? Like what led you to where you're at right now? So I was cooking even in high school. I was started as a dishwasher, the, you know, the typical stories. So I started as a dishwasher. <laughs> and then I went to a national level. I really started cooking because I got tattoos before they were accepted. And before I got sober, I was a big partier. Cooking was the one job that you could have with tattoos and you could party and it was accepted, right? You know, it was a very pirate's job back then. Uh, but it turned out that I was pretty good at it. And then I did my saucier apprenticeship at Rubicon in San Francisco, which got best wine list in the world 10 years in a row and was cooking under some really big people. And then I started running my own kitchens and was doing a lot of traveling, Westshore Cafe, Balboa, Plump Jacks, list kind of goes on and on. But I was doing small promotions on the side, like little punk shows. There was a fork in the road where, hey, are you going to keep cooking or are you going to take a shot at working in music? And so I was hosting karaoke, putting on punk shows, and then I started DJing, and then I started doing sound. And all of a sudden, I was booking national acts and putting on big car shows and big karaoke events. And we were doing parties for Dennis Hoff and, I mean, just crazy debauchery kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. At the time, I had gotten sober, too, and in, in October second 2001 was my first sobriety date and it was kind of weird because all of a sudden now i'm sober and i'm throwing parties and booking shows i was sober for 14 years and from there i opened up a venue in reno called the alley and we booked a lot of big national acts there as well and i had to get four surgeries back to back to back to back and i lost my sobriety i went out on pain pills and i completely lost my mind and burned every bridge. Mm -hmm. And I just, it went from pills to heroin to back to drinking to cocaine to the whole gambit, right? And in in five years, I lost everything. And so I'd gotten a DUI at the Fandango. I was DJing a party for Costco and I'd gotten a DUI in the parking lot 
and my depression was just spiraling. And I started making these deals with myself. Okay, if I can make it to noon without a drink, I just couldn't, I couldn't make the deals work. And they were ridiculous deals anyway, but at the time that's what was making sense, you mm -hmm. know, like I just want to have it together. And I got in my car and I got it up to 85 miles an hour and I took off my seatbelt and I ran it into a tree, hoping to die. And that was 10 days after. And of course I was loaded. So I walked away from it. And next thing you know, I'm walking down the big cement walkway at par, you know, crying like I'm not a bad guy. I'm just an alcoholic. I got into jail and it was a 5150. I got out of the rubber room <laughs> and got into general population and the next and the very next day COVID hit. Most people they get DUI, they spend the night in jail. I was I was there for a couple months. Yeah. We got they shut down on the courts and I got out and I was still suicidal. I met somebody and I was gonna trade my sound equipment for a gun. And I'm sitting at my house and you know, it was the only place that I could go. Some people had talked to my wife at the time to let me back into the house. It was the only place I could go. My kid was gun shy. I had $40 to my name. I'd spent all my savings in retirement. And now it's ready to kill myself again. And I went up and I asked the universe, I said, if you will give me another chance at life, I'll pay it forward every day. And that's what happened. Like I woke up the next morning and I just, I was like, everyone was stressing because people in Reno and Nevada, that they, we're getting that unemployment yet, and you have to stay on the phone for 14 hours mm -hmm. after that during COVID, and people weren't getting their COVID checks. And and I'm, a, I'm on food stamps, I'm on Medicaid, you know, I'm broke. And so when I got those, I got a, an EBT card with a ton of money on it because it all accumulated while I was mm -hmm. in jail. And I'm like, I don't have money, but I can cook you food. And I started cooking for families and it was like here's five entrees five nights of dinner milk and cereal bagel and cream cheese some apples and oranges for the kids and some goldfishes of cookies mm -hmm. you know these packages and the word got out and the next thing you know there was like 20 25 people every night and people started donating there it was i was cooking and i still thought i was going back into music but i'm like okay i'm fulfilling my deal with the universe and that was really a big thing and then do you know meredith tanzer oh yeah from our center right our center and hopes oh yeah yeah and she was like kind of mentoring me with you know i burned a lot of bridges and she kind of stepped up and was like i see what you're doing i believe in you and she had let the washington post know about my story and they sent a photographer out and did this front page article on me right and i'm hmm. like are you kidding? I'm from the <laughs> And I kind of opened my home up, which was very odd during COVID. Because mm. there's people that are like, I don't have money, but I want to help. And it was like, okay, we'll take volunteers. And there was strangers in my home during COVID. And we we're cooking these meals all day, every day. And I'm going to online recovery meetings. And I'm, I'm just kind of like okay, finding my stride. And so I started a teensy weensy cooking show that was on youtube that didn't do very well but it was like we're making meatloaf today and this is my friend chris and he's making leather wallets so support him and that just kind of grew a little bit and then i was like okay let's highlight some people in the community too and sierra feeds market which is the old Rayleigh's over by 
the Atlantis. Yeah. Now, on off Peckham, right? Yeah. He had come on the show and really liked it. Uh, and he's like, I'm just going to build you a kitchen, the store you can cook out of my store <laughs> and, and do it every Sunday. And so I, the show grew and all of a sudden it was the universe was like, you're back in cooking. And mm. so I kind of figured out a way to have this career. And it, by then people were on their feet. So it's like, okay, let's start doing nonprofits. And so every Sunday I was cooking for a hundred people and it was free, but you had to donate. Mm -hmm. Free, but you had to donate. And so we'd start picking different nonprofits and we'd be like, okay, we're four weeks, we're with Step 2. Four weeks, we're with the Rich House. Four weeks, we're with Eddie House. And, you know, the list goes on and on. And people would come and have such a good time. And we'd have reggae bands and drag performers and pro skateboarders skating around. We just have all <laughs> kinds of chaos in a grocery store yeah. on a Sunday night. And it really, it really took off. And all of a sudden we were kind of making a difference in the community because we were like, okay, four weeks is up. Here's $8,000. Here's $10,000. Here's really this kind of like give hope movement and it, the rest is just kind of history and mm -hmm. from there you know when they closed we just kind of kept changing the format but i called colo and i was like hey it's our big christmas show we're gonna have santa claus we're having kids and at the time too we were providing full christmases for families like from the tree to presents to the mill and then we had all these donators and we were teaming up with a bunch of different people in the community and colo was like, hey, we can't come down for the thing, but we have this new morning person that's coming on. She would like to meet you. We met, hit it off instantly. And then next thing you know, I was on local television. And then from there, I ended up on Food Network. And it's just been this snowball of goodness that's just happened over and over and over, which is yeah. amazing. That's fantastic. Yeah, I think that there's this tendency once you kind of get rolling on something and it feels right and you're meeting people and it's, it's working and you just go with it it tends to to build upon itself a little bit, right? And it sounds like that's what's happened to you is, you know, starting with just cooking some meals during COVID has kind of grown into a lot more, right? Yeah. One thing that's happened that I've been very fortunate that it's hard for a lot of people to see, and I, I was fortunate, the reason I'm fortunate because I was able to see it, is we tend to be our own worst enemies, right? And so when someone can see in you what you can't see in yourself and you can acknowledge that and be like, okay, man, like I've got a little hope here. They believe in me. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden you kind of start believing in yourself. And I think that's a big thing for a lot of people. And I also know there was a time in my life where I wasn't able to accept that or, or see it. And, you know, I, I would fall short and I can find the bad in me instead of the good. And when you're kind of focusing on the good in yourself, it exudes this energy where you start surrounding yourself with people that are like-minded and want to level up with you. And, yeah. Yeah. Who were some of those people besides Meredith who kind of saw that in you or any other moments that you kind of had that right well, switch flipped a little bit? Grant Denton was one of them. And I'd met him. My friend Will from Battleborn Painting was like, you're cooking. I'm going to lend you some money and you're going to start a business. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, so what you're supposed to be doing. So, there was Will, and then he introduced me to Grant. And then Mike Wood, the realtor, he does a thing called Social Media for the Good. And he did a story on me. And then it just kept going. And then from there, it was just, you know, my co-host, Nikki, and then Dave Asher. And all of a sudden, I went from 
being scared and isolated in my home and, you know, living minute by minute, hour to hour to like, all of a sudden I'm living day to day. And, mm. you know, and then it was like, okay, I'm living day to day and I see a bit of a future. Oh my God, this person believes in me and this person wants to come on my show, which, you know, that feeling, you know, yeah. all of a sudden some people with some substance are like, let's collaborate, let's do something. And you're like, yeah, that's rad, <laughs> right? <laughs> What's it been like? I mean, Reno's a small town and all the same people that you knew before, a lot of them are probably still here. What's it been like kind of seeing those relationships or rebuilding any of those relationships? You said you burned a lot of bridges, but now you're kind of on a roll. Have you reconnected with people or what's your kind of engagement with your previous life from before? Well, I will say this. People love to see a comeback, but some people are weary as well, Mm -hmm. you know? And, you know, I had to accept that and pay my dues and be like, and some people didn't want to reconnect right away. Some people were like, as long as you're not blown up, we're good. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about it. I want to see you succeed. And so a lot of people from my past have been very supportive. Those who are still using, like I just have to stay away from the drinking and, and, and using, mm-hmm. even though I have liquor sponsors and, and I make drinks and I bartend, and, you know, that's part of the service industry. It's been those people that, I needed to believe me that were key from my past. And then it's been this big, broad horizon of so many people that I've got to meet now. And now I get to tie those people together. And you were at my cooking show last night and you know, I went out and announced, I'm like, nobody should leave here not knowing each other. Like well, this is a night of community. And so I've kind of been the poor man's philanthropist to say, connecting the right people to, to do the things. and. I've got a very big personality. And so I tend to attract and I, I engage in a lot of conversations. And like when I see pieces that'll fit together, I make those connections and I, it, it's very fulfilling to do that. Hey there, listeners. This is just a quick interruption. I know I said that there's no ads on this show and it's true. I don't have any paid ads on the show, but I do need to say that one of the biggest supporters of this show and of me as a person in recent years has been Vicky Moosney from DJ Trivia Sierra Nevada. My regular job the last four or five years, almost five years now, has been hosting trivia nights at various local bars for DJ Trivia Sierra Nevada. It has been such a fun job. I absolutely love it. I've gotten to work at so many different bars, met so many different players uh, all around the city, and it's been fantastic. I really, really love the venues that I work at, the bartenders that I work with, and the players. It is super duper fun to see these players every week, and I'm still doing it. So you can come play DJ Trivia with me several nights a week. I host four nights a week right now. So if you would like to come play DJ Trivia, you can find a venue in your neighborhood. Go to DJTriviaSierraNevada.com, and you can search. We have 40-something games a week. So there's probably one close to you on the night that you want to go play Trivia. But if you want to play with me at one of my venues, you can find me Monday nights at Lead Dog Brewing in the Brewery District, Tuesday nights at Sierra Tap House, Wednesday nights at Voodoo Brewing at Plum and Arlington, and Thursday nights at the Brewer's Cabinet Production Facility down on West 4th Street by Patagonia. As I said, this isn't technically an ad. This is mostly just me saying thank you so much to DJ Trivia for not just giving me a fantastic job, but providing a ton of entertainment for folks in our town and helping bring business to a lot of our bars and restaurants on the weeknights. It's really a win-win-win kind of business. Vicky's been on the podcast a couple times talking about that and other things. So thank you so much, Vicky. Thank you, DJ Trivia. Thank you, players. 
And thank you listeners for coming out to play at either one of my venues or any other DJ trivia venue. Really appreciate it. Okay, back to the episode. Tell me more about the the morning show with Katie. So you've been doing that for a couple of years. And as you said, big personality, definitely. Every time I see the the clips on Facebook where you start, you're both like drumming on the table at high fives and like really high energy stuff. And I was on, I did a little spot on Katie's show I too. On yeah. Oh yeah. I saw you there. Yeah. And it was, it's super fun. I'm so glad that we have these different types of local media and I'm hoping Katie will come on the podcast too and just talk about kind of local media and the different formats because there's like space for every different kind of media, I think, right? Like I don't do video stuff, but I think there's like a need for a local news type show that's, you know, a fun show with a variety of guests. I'm kind of jealous that Katie has the best, like I get to talk to a person a week. She gets to talk to people every single day about what's going on in town. So can you tell me a little bit more about just what it's like working on that show? Like, what does a segment look like when you're on there for people who haven't seen it? Can you just talk a little bit about your, your Colo stuff? Yeah, well, it, it, it's very odd because I'm more comfortable sitting here with a microphone talking to you mm-hmm. than I would be without a microphone. That's just my personality. And so when it comes to the morning show, a lot of people don't know this, but 90% of the things that I cook on there, I've never made before. <laughs> I just go to the store at like nine o'clock the night before and make it up. And so we have that element of we're just doing this thing raw and by and from the hip. And we've got that energy that works. So there's times where the recipes aren't don't work. There's mm-hmm. there's been times where we set up the fire alarms and the fire <laughs> trucks have come. There and but the thing is I go in Tuesday mornings and I don't like getting up early. I, it's not my jam. <laughs> but I get there every Tuesday morning and we've kind of made this little family and her husband's the producer and doing all this stuff. And then we go in and we make that video and we chat, we catch up. And then she introduced me to the other guests. And what has happened with that, and it's been a, another great thing, is she has so many people that are involved with raising money in the community and as my shows changed formats so much now i use that as a vessel if there's somebody that's coming up we have an event and we need some prizes for it i'm like hey i'm going to donate this for a silent auction but it needs to start at three thousand dollars and so between that show and my show we're ten thousand dollars short in the last two and a half years raising a quarter million dollars for nonprofits in the area. Wow. And so it's super fun, but it's also super good for the community. And it's and I also like to bring the and you saw this last night, you know, we we bring people on to, to promote their to promote local product. Yeah. And you know, I like to be the guy when people are like, Oh, I support local, and I'm like, I really support local and my sponsors, all the sponsors I have, they're not monetary sponsors. All I do is get product from them so that I can promote their product. Mm-hmm. And I like, and I've been offered money and I'm like, that's, that's, it's not what it's about. I got to deal with the universe that we talked about earlier. And so we're going to take these products that, and I believe in the products as well. And we're going to promote them. We're going to promote these small businesses. We're going to do this. So, you know, it's choking, it's laughing. But it's community as well. And and it's something that I love to do because that's where I'm comfortable. Mm-hmm. You know, if you if you've ever watched the episode, it's we just it's not like the cameras are there. We're just there hamming it up. Yeah. Yeah. 
Tell me more about the, so I, you said I went to the live thing that you do for uh, on Facebook the other night and that was at Marcolino's downtown and you were previously at the, the grocery store and you've kind of moved around a couple locations. Can you talk a little bit more about what the live experience is like? So you this live stream while you're cooking and then serve a meal and, you know, you raise money for nonprofits and highlight those sponsors that provide products. Can you just kind of walk us through what an evening <laughs> with, with Chef Chapin is like at one of those events? Yeah. So uh, it's changed format so many times, but for 24, we're going to restaurants, we're going to small businesses and we're going in people's homes. Mm-hmm. So we're just kind of doing it as a traveling circus. And it, and this is the year that we're not doing it every Sunday. Like it was, we did it that way for three years and it, it got to be a little bit tough because we have these Friday and Saturday night gigs. Then we got to wake up Sunday and, and do a show. So now we're doing it when we feel like it. Mm-hmm. We go in and, you know, there's always non-alcoholic and alcoholic drinks for everybody. People start mingling we're prepping and then 20 minutes before the show, I go and give a speech. Hey, just don't have me talk over you. We interact. So we're online interacting as well. It's interacting with the people that are there to watch you. Yeah. So that one is not PG. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of jokes. It's a lot of fun and mistakes. Like, I don't want to be the perfect chef. I want to be the chef that when I'm teaching people that I make mistakes. So you make mistakes. Like, it's a very funny thing. People are like, oh, I don't want to cook for you. You're a chef. And you're like, as a chef, you're like, there's nothing I want more than you to cook for me. Make a casserole. I want it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, want, I want a grilled cheese bag. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't want to make food because it's hard to eat when you're handling food all yeah. the time. And, and so we interact and we promote people. We tell the jokes. And then after we all sit down and eat together and I make sure that if somebody doesn't know somebody, because we're doing a small night of community. Everybody should leave knowing everybody on the way out. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter like what your status is. We're breaking bread together and we're going to have a good time doing it. Like one of my sponsors, like Ferdinand Local Distillery. They're in the Guinness Book of World Records for the smallest distillery in the world. Huh, I didn't right know that. Here in Reno, right? There's a, my knife guy, say glass knives with the knives that I use that he gives me. He's part of the Forge to Fire crew and Reno guy making knives that are get shipped out around the world. You know, last night we had a guy from Bali watching the show, <laughs> people across America. Like it, it, it's crazy. So that went from like 50 people on YouTube to now we're hitting, you know, five to 15,000 people. And, you know, we've got to do other really big things too. Like we went and did the cooking show down in LA with the drummer from No Effects. <laughs> yeah, you know, I got like 200,000 views or something like yeah. that. Just something crazy. But it's just like, okay, man, like, we're just going to go have fun cooking and we're not going to take ourselves too serious. And it it's really kind of helped in what we do as a job too, because it's like, yeah, it can be intense, but we're not yelling in the kitchen anymore. You know, I learned that from a kid I was mentoring right out of the gate. You know, I was yelling like it was the nineties or like, I was Gordon Ramsay? And he had left and I was like, I don't feel good about that. Mm. And, and we're friends now. And I had to go to a 20 year old kid and be like, Hey, I'm really sorry. And I learned a lot from you. And I know that doesn't make sense to you because you were learning from me, but I learned from you that I want to run my kitchen different. And we're on great terms now. Yeah. Like the intersection of, of 
personality and cooking has been you see that a lot you mentioned like gordon ramsay and tv shows and there's all these like competition chef shows and like the personality of chefs has become a big part of their brand and how they kind of present themselves and i mean your show the live one seems like the space where you really get to (laughs) to be yourself and let loose and share a lot about who you are as a person how you engage with people right do you find that kind of a helpful way of showing people how you cook and who you are beyond just like here's here's the food that i made there's a line in the song that i that i identify with really well and it's second chances are cried away it says it's i've got this second chance on life and you know i i, I lived through a very serious suicide attempt i lived through you know I, during my relapse i drank so much that I, I developed diabetes and dropped foot and you know and i reversed that you know what i mean i i and I'm, I'm able to do all these things that they continue to grow. And so it really is a lot about showing gratitude. Mm. You know what I mean? And like spreading some goodness. And I'm not perfect by any means. And I've got my problems and we, and we all do. But I'm able to shine more days than I am to be, to be dim. You know, and there's a lot of gratitude into that. So I've got this morning routine, right? I get up, I make my bed every day. Even if I'm in a hotel, I make my bed because that's a promise I made to myself. So mm-hmm. all of a sudden I'm accountable. You know, yeah. that's the first thing. Then I go and I look in the mirror because I couldn't look in the mirror when I was during my relapse because I couldn't stand who I was. And I make sure I'm okay. Do I got to clean up the side of the street or not? And then I get in the shower and that's kind of where I do my meditation. And I get into an intent. Okay, I intend to be grateful today. I intend to stick with my deal with the universe. I intend to pay for it somehow. And I intend to try not be a dick, <laughs> you know, and, and, and do some good and do the best job that I can and, and be engaging and, you know, like little things. Like I don't flip people off driving anymore. I'll give a disappointing thumbs down. I told, that is, I'm glad you said that because that is, I have a friend who mentioned that to me years and years ago. She suggested that that's a much better way of just expressing disapproval. And ever since then, that's been kind of my go-to is like, I would never flip someone off. That's road rage. That's going to create a fight. But yeah, just, just stick a thumbs down out the window. That's a very, <laughs> it's a, the, the best way I think you'd be like, I, di- I disapprove of, of that. Yeah. Walking away too, like, that's a big one. Well, if you didn't act like this, then I wouldn't have done that. And it's like, well, that's not a good theory at all. You're an adult. I've got a choice to leave a bad situation. And if I decide to engage, you know, then that's on me, you know, and it's normal to get frustrated, but I've developed this very short little window where it's like, okay, I'm going to take two seconds. And I don't say yes all the time anymore either. Mm. Like, Let me think about it and get back to you. Like, and that's been so huge to me. Yeah. And there's so much power in that, right? Before, even when I had the 14 years before, I'd be like, yes, yes. And I, and I wanted everyone to like me. And that's, now it's like, I'm cool knowing a lot of people, but my inner circle is, you know, pretty small. And, I, you know, and, and we keep it that way and we get engaged. And I used to think I had to hug everybody in the hallway, right? Whether they wanted me to or not. Now I hug a few people, mostly a lot of high fives. But if there's somebody that there's going to be conflict with, it's my job to get out of the way. I don't need to throw the shoulder and mm-hmm. engage it because they might not even know. You know, it's like somebody bumps you in the grocery store and then you're 
mad at the white. He's like, and they might even not even know that they did it. Mm -hmm. And so, where's my time going? Is it going to go to a positive place or is it going to go to a negative place? For me, if I spend too much time in a negative place, I'm at risk for a relapse and I don't mm -hmm. ever want to do that again. Yeah. Tell me more about how food connects people. You mentioned, you know, breaking bread with people is the oldest way of, you know, coming together. Can you just talk a little bit more about food? I mean, you've been cooking for a really long time. I'm sure it's not just the social environment of coming together, but the actual food. Why is food so important to people? As a chef now, like I know that I can cook good food, but now it's like, okay, we do these big snacking boards, which I'm sure you see. Mm -hmm. how, how do you set the mood for, for a party by what people are seeing, what people are smelling? How do you take it to the next level that... People walk into your party and we've created these boards. We've got these apps coming out or we've got these drinks that look beautiful and people walk in and they're like, oh, it's up. I don't know what kind of party. Mm -hmm. I'm going to stick around because I know what's coming, right? You get the anticipation with food and then you get the connection. There's so much to be said about connecting with food. And it's a, the world's a weird place and my home's guilty of it too. Hey, we're making food. My daughter wants to go up to her room and eat up there, right? Mm. Like, hey man, we're gonna sit down, we're gonna put down our phones for a minute and we're gonna eat and talk, right? Which is a task for a lot of people these days. When we go somewhere, we're like, we try to create that environment so that people are being present, being where your feet are. And if you can do that with, through food, I feel like you've accomplished something. But as well as, you know, making people happy, making that connection. Food's just such a weird and wonderful thing. There's days where you're like, I want the greatest, finest gourmet stuff of all time. But there's days where, man, like today, it's a rainy day. I might go home and have a tomato soup and a, and a grilled cheese, mm -hmm. you know? And there's legacy in food. And I tell people that, you know? People think legacy is passing on a business or that. There's legacy and somebody learning their grandma's fudge recipe at Christmas. There's legacy, and, and I tell my daughter this all the time, I'm like, when I'm dead and gone, you're gonna walk into places and you're gonna smell things, and that's gonna trigger your memories of me. You know, there's legacy and faith. It's not just nourishment, it's connection, it's legacy, it's creativity, it's simpleness. You know, mm -hmm. some of the simplest food is some of the best food. And for me, it's connection. Yeah. Let's talk about Reno. So before we were recording, we were talking about how you lived in Tahoe and it took you a long time to move to Reno. And Reno has changed a ton. I, you know, grew up here, moved away and came back. I always talk about how Reno's food scene is changing and the like the options here have grown so much. So can you tell me a little bit about when you moved to Reno and kind of your perception of Reno? And, and what you saw of Reno when you kind of like were here earlier. And then what's, what's the food like in Reno now, all these years later? Well, it, it's very weird because I moved to Tahoe. My first summer in Tahoe was 88. And then I moved to Ta North Lake in 89. And Reno was taboo. Like you'd go there. You'd only go there from Tahoe to see a concert or it was a place that we could drink underage, mm. or, you know, <laughs> come down for some debauchery, you know, the right. Del Mar days, the Zephyr days. And, and then when I was, when I was having a, 
a kid a wheel to a very big in Tahoe. And I was like, I don't want to raise a stoner ski town kid. And an opportunity had come up for me to take over Vixens, who I was doing the programming and shows for, for me to take it over and start a venue. So I moved down here with the intention of having a broader place for my kid to grow with a little bit more culture than a ski town. And also to keep her away from drugs, you know, it would be before my reaps. And that was a very big thing for me because it's hereditary. And as a dad, you mm-hmm. want to keep your kids safe. Yeah. But when I moved down here, it took me a couple of years to fall in love with it. And it was still, I was under the impression it was taboo. And I, there was just one day it clicked and I'm like, Reno's my home. Like, this is where I want to live for the rest of my life. And when I started cooking again, Reno's always been a very competitive cutthroat business kind of place Mm -hmm. and then when i started cooking and i'm like i'm not doing that and really i reached out to a lot of chefs and i was like hey i'm cooking again and i see your food on social media and can i connect with you and you know i cooked for mark esty and there were some other cats down here that i cooked with in tahoe and I, i i just reached out and i was like hey like i wanted to meet these people and jay rathman over at bj's is the president of the High Sierra Chefs Association, and he had me on a podcast. There was people that were mentoring me, and you know, I, I made myself available to learn. And now there's like 30 chefs in Reno, and you even saw it last night on the show. I talked about their catering. Like, if you've got a good product and I've got a good product, we're going to level up together, right? Mm-hmm. There's not going to be that competition, and we're all going to get farther because there's plenty of business. It doesn't need to be cutthroat. And, you know, like we call each other and do wellness checks. We'll get together for lunch, you know, we'll go and and support each other. And, you know, that's like one of the things Chef Daniel was there from Liberty last night. And I'm going to go help him on Friday night cook his wild game menu just so I can learn some stuff mm-hmm. and have, have a good time in the kitchen. How we've got all these chefs like cross promoting and working for each other and supporting each other's business. And it's really, you can see it in the food that's coming out in Reno now. Like Reno is suddenly in the last, I'd say eight years, and especially in the last five, is becoming a culinary hub in America. And, you know, we've got Kevin Fudamachi, we've got Mark Esty, you've got Clint Jolly, myself, Daryl Butterfield, you know, all guys that are little Reno that are on national network on food network you mm-hmm. know doing stuff as well and and repping reno and being like hey man get here and eat our food you know yeah which is which is absolutely fantastic yeah. you know what what a cool thing right have you found that the like public perception of reno's food scene is catching up with what's actually happening in the restaurants like are people realizing that reno's got great food now is that something that is in the the public awareness for people who live here are we taking pride in our food it is. It, absolutely. And, you know, we talked a little bit about mentoring. You know, one of the reasons that I wanted to do the show last night at Marcolini's was there's a young and upcoming chef there, Cass, and she's paying her dues and she's doing it correctly. And she's got that passion and that drive. We're not ignoring or, or kicking people when they're down. We're supporting each other. We're leveling up. You know, David Holman over at Atlantis, he runs all the restaurants at the Atlantis quick to help out with anything that we need as far as when we're doing fundraising the same goes across the board with restaurants you know Parapa over at Noodle Box you know we were mm. able to do a lot with him to launch his restaurant and help him get that public awareness yeah. and it's not like 
hey, people aren't going to hire me. I have, uh, we're fine. You know, we talked about it earlier. So why don't we go and make sure everybody's fine and get people out and help the economy as chefs and as restaurateurs and as business owners. The more that we support people and the more that we get people out and spending and enjoying the experience and word of mouth promotion and the social media interaction, which is a tough thing for me. I'm 52 years old. But I, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. Uh, the, the more that we do that, the more that we grow, not only as a, a food community, but as a spot to be. And, you know, you see the big events, like the biggest events always are the food events. Mm-hmm. What about our local food actual supply? I know that one of the things when Liberty opened, Mark Esty was very focused on everything or as much as possible coming from within a certain radius. I've had folks from the Riverside Farmers Market where there's local farms that are providing produce there. I know it's a kind of tough food shed here in the in the high desert, but can you talk a little bit about local food and where things are sourced from and kind of the priority of making sure that we're not just having great restaurants, but kind of supporting our local food economy a little more at large? Right. And we, we have great, there's a lot of great farms, local meats for sure. The produce is, it's kind of hit and miss, but it's growing. And I think one thing that is really good that I'd like to be involved with, the farms are interacting with the kids now. Mm-hmm. Like one thing that we're doing when I talked about the seniors is, okay, how do we go to a farmer's market? How do we have $300 this week for food? And how do we make the things and it's that interaction with the farmers and with the ranchers that are local. And that connection is there, I think, more than it's ever been in Reno. But for the people that are taking a step further and now getting the kids interested in it as well, that's something that, that's happening that is a little bit more prevalent than it's been. And I think the farmer's markets are getting, you know, there used to be the big farmer's market down in Victorian Square. But that was a little bit more of a party. You know, mm. these smaller farmer markets and these pop-ups, you know, the Riverside especially, like, you go there and, you know, okay, Kevin Ashton. So he's the biggest TikToker in Reno, my age, right? And he does these food TikToks. He's big on, hey, we went to the Riverside Farmer's Market and promoting that. In 24, we've got some stuff planned. We're going to do some cooking demos at some of those as well. We're going to help with the cooking classes over at Urban Roots. Reno Food Systems, when they start their harvest, we're, we're going to be doing some pop-up dinners with them and, and some fundraisers too. We're going to involve other local chefs so that, you know, I, I know a lot of people don't know this, but there's a microgreen company in Reno. There's a, there's two mushroom mushroom growers in Reno that, you know, are doing lion's manes and oysters and and baby bellas and creminis and, you know, it's crazy, right? Mm. And there's also like sources for truffles and people that are, go- are going out and doing the the picking in Tahoe. There's, people are going out morale picking on the wreck. Huh. And you're like, okay, that's crazy. Yeah. But the thing is, is that it's like we talked about, you got to get connected with people to find those those little gems that are out there, you know? Yeah. For people who don't cook, like myself, I don't really, I don't really cook that much. We talked a lot about kind of the, the joy of eating and the joy of community and that part. But what about cooking? What's the benefit of cooking your own food and learning how to cook and knowing how to cook and having a hand in the food that you're consuming? Okay. This is a big one for me. Yeah. Because there's connection in cooking. 
if you're a couple that's looking to spice things up, and I, and I, I know it sounds weird, but you just put on an apron, kiss in the kitchen, you know, do that ghost scene, <laughs> you know, have fun with cooking, make mistakes with cooking. There's a lot of fulfillment in learning something new. There's a lot of fulfillment in cooking for somebody. Make it fun. Like if you're having fun cooking, I promise you when that plate comes out, whether it's as good as a restaurant or not as good, there's going to be pride in it and you're, and you're going to love it. And people will at that point put the phone down. You know, cook with your kids, cook with your friends. It doesn't have to be a barbecue. Hey man, I'm going to have four people over for dinner tonight. We're going to cook together or everybody's going to bring something that they made up from the store and we're going to taste each other's stuff. We're off our phones for a minute. We're going to take some pictures. We're going to post it, yeah. but we're going to put it down and we're going to talk and then we're going to talk food. It's going to start with food and then it's going to go into other things. And that it's really the oldest thing that we've ever done, whether it was a, a caveman throwing a whole elk on it, <laughs> picking it out and everybody taking their turn or, you know, Going to a restaurant and being like, okay, we're going to have this conversation or planning a wedding or a party or a big event. It always comes down to the food. And like, there's people that are food snobs. There's people that are, are there for the free meal. There's so many categories that go with people and food. I'll tell you this too. Like people will go and they'll know right away how long they're going to stay on based on what the food is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, makes a difference. I know, so you have some events coming up. You're doing a dinner with Curious in the City, which has like a non-alcoholic wine pairing. And you have, you know, various events. Can you talk a little bit about where people can find you and what events you have coming up in the coming weeks or months? Yeah, we're doing a 30-person five-course meal with uh, Curious in the City. And it's going to be our first of a few that we're going to be doing with them as far as non-alcoholic dinners but there will be non-alcoholic drinks and mocktails as well. So we're going to incorporate that and we're going to do pairings with the courses. In March, I'm doing a six-course food tasting with Parapa over at Noodlebox. There's also pop-up dinners that are going to be happening at Tentor at The Virgil. We're teaming up with them to do a bunch of things as well. And we're going to do like I said, with the Gourmet Club, there's going to be stuff that you can go to as well. We're doing Mongolian art exhibit and cocktail food paired with that. Uh, there's a new magazine coming out that they're launching as well that we're going to be doing two pages of recipes with. Of course, you can always follow me on Colo, RenoRecipes.com, RenoRecipes on Instagram and Facebook. And even if you're not hiring us, engage with us. You can literally go and look at the pictures or see the videos and see that we're having fun with food. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I tell people too, you want us to come to a show at your house? All you got to do is ask. You want to come to an event? Ask. I want to meet new people. I want to keep this flow going that we've got bringing people together. So mm -hmm. if you don't know me, say hi. What do you want to do in the future? <laughs> this is the big question. What's, what is in the future for Chef Jape? And you've got a lot going on already right now, but when you look kind of down the road, what do you hope to do? I hope to build the brand and eventually sell it and retire. Mm. But there's a problem with that, right? When you're a person that's as active and you see it, you know, people that are 
absolutely crazy busy all the time and then they retire and they have nothing to do and they are like sick and dead in eight years mm -hmm. so am i really going to retire i don't know i'd like to do as much as i can to build reno brands to build my company you know to keep giving back to the community you know like i have a really good life and that's an incredible thing to be able to say yeah you know like i can sincerely say that i have an incredible life i'm grateful for it and i think if i and where my feet are, and I'm not tripping on the future, and I'm not living in the past, that good things are going to keep coming, and I'm going to be able to to keep doing what, I, what I'm doing and expanding because it, it's not stop soul pulling. Every time I think that's going to get better, you know, I got to cook for two years. I was doing catering at music festivals and cooking for all the bands that I used to book. All of a sudden, like the bouncing souls are like, hey, you want to come sing a song with us for 20,000 people? Sure. Yeah. You know, and cooking for these bands that I used to book and all these great things. And now we're on a film set. Now we're doing a dinner for a presidential candidate. I mean, just weirdness. It's like so weird and overwhelming. You know, sometimes you just got to take a look back and you're like, I know how it happened, but I don't know how to happen. Mm. But if I question it, man, am I going to be in trouble? I just got to keep rolling and, and, and be grateful and, and put my best foot forward and be where my feet are. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Fi good to finally have you on the show. Sorry it took so long. Thank you so but really glad to to chat with you. Like I said, I went to the dinner the other night and then I, I did go to one at the the Peckham, the grocery store a couple of years ago too. So I've been seeing the work that you've done over the last couple of years and it's been fun seeing you on the news and glad to have you on the show and to hear all the great stuff you're doing and it, how how joyful you are in doing it. I think is really great just seeing kind of like the happiness and the positivity from people who love what they're doing, I think you like clearly exude that. So it's always fun energy to be around people who have a lot of love in what they're doing and are trying to share it. Thanks, Connor. I appreciate it. But wait, the episode's not actually over. There's an extra bonus segment, as I said, available for patrons of the show. Anyone that supports the show financially at any level can listen to a few extra questions with Chef Chapin. Here's a little preview of the bonus segment available for patrons at patreon.com slash renoites. You can learn more by visiting that address and listen to bonus segments from every episode. Here's a little peek. I'm more uncomfortable when people are like, we're not going to drink tonight because we know you're not drinking. Like, mm -hmm. don't tiptoe around me. I didn't get sober for you. I'm not asking you to get sober for me. Live your life. I can leave anytime I want. But as far as like mocktails is a big thing right now. It was for a long time. And, and even for me, like, okay, like I'm not drinking to this event. Everybody else is drinking, but you want to have something in your hand so you don't feel alienated. So it was always for me, it was a club soda and lime or a, a Shirley Temple or something like that, that looked like a cocktail. Mm -hmm. And that really isn't the case anymore. And now everybody's offering non-alcoholic and it it doesn't need to be just for people that aren't drinking maybe you just not drinking that night maybe you're just taking a break for a little bit but it's so nice to have that option and sober chefs like it's like i said you know when i first started cooking like i could party like and i'll be honest with you like i had a bong in the walk-in i had a picture of jack and coke on the line and i had a, a mirror in the meat drawer and that's the way kitchens ran for a long time. And there are some still, but I, I feel like it's turning the curve where it's getting more 
even filled. And there's a lot more chefs that are interested in just cooking and not getting loaded. Mm -hmm. But it is, it's a very big thing. You know, you get into that restaurant lifestyle and it's, you know, and the tip money, you know, the servers they are like, they're not waiting on a paycheck. They get in some cash every night and someone wants to pull the trigger and party. This is a 24 hour town, man. You can stay mm. up all night and party in Reno real easy, right? That was just a little preview of the bonus segment from this week with Chef Jonathan Chapin. Listeners, thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Renoites. Super, super appreciative of your listenership. And thank you to our guest, Chef Jonathan Chapin, for coming on the show. Really nice to learn about the work he's doing and what drives him to do it. I think that the personal element of this show is something that I always find really rewarding. So thank you, Chef, for coming on the show and taking the time. If you enjoyed the show, as I said, spread the word. Tell your friends, tell your family. Word of mouth means everything for a project like this. So share posts on social media. That's the other thing. Very easy to hit that share button. And subscribe on your podcast app of choice. If you press that subscribe button wherever you listen to the podcast, it will automatically download. It helps with the algorithms. Make sure you don't miss any episodes. And so on and so forth. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you. You're amazing. And we'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Next week's guest on the show is our former poet laureate, Pan Pantoja. Super good conversation. I am so excited about this one. We had a fantastic conversation. There's a new exhibit open called Upside Down Land. It is an immersive, interactive art experience at the Potentialist Workshop. Just a fascinating person. Highly, highly recommend that you check that one out next week and new episodes every Tuesday this season. So make sure that you are following on social media, leave comments, all that kind of good stuff. And I'll see you all again next week. <laughs>